don't want to talk, you could just listen. What is happening? I am Mal Foster and you, you're listening to the latest episode of your third favourite, above average, but infinitely curious podcast, Dimed Out. More to the point, you are listening to the first episode in the second half of the fourth season. Surely there's got to be an easier way to say it than that, but that's what it is. This is season four, episode nine, second half, as I've just said, of the season. Hopefully... You've been on board for the first half and you've enjoyed it. If you haven't, uh, just, you know, keep your grievances to yourself. Unless they are actually in the form of very helpful, constructive criticism to which I am open. But if you're just going to be a dick about it, don't bother. If you are just joining us now for this season, or in fact even as a podcast in general, if you've just found us, uh, I'm not going to go into what it is that you've missed in the in the prior three and a half seasons there is a great episode in the first half of season four which does recap a lot it happened on our second year anniversary i put together a little clip show so if you are brand spanking new to the podcast and you kind of want to get a general oversight of some of the stuff we've done over the last two years that is definitely an episode i would recommend to check out if you are new to this season Then uh, in the first half, we've talked about recovering from religion, religious trauma. We've talked to Mercer Blackwell, the onstage bizarrist who has strangely just kind of disappeared from the internet since I did that. So maybe there's an episode in that. Where the hell is Mercer Blackwell? Very weird. I do hope that he's doing okay. I hope that his, his absence, and I'm talking like a complete scrub with the exception of his Facebook page and his YouTube channel, uh, it's a complete scrub of social media, he's just gone. Which is very weird. If he's chosen to do that himself, and it's of his own volition, all power to him. But as I say, I do hope he's alright. And if somehow you've found yourself subscribing to this podcast since appearing on it, Mercer, do get in touch. Just let me know that you're doing alright. Um, but that is definitely an episode you want to check out. Unless, of course, the idea of somebody swallowing a coat hanger is going to make you really gippy and knock you off your dinner. In which case, you might want to skip it, um, because there's a bit of that and some other stuff in there with him being a bizarrist. Of course, if you've never heard of a bizarrist, if you've no idea what that is, if this is the first time you're hearing that term, definitely uh, an episode to check out. Unless, again, it's going to make you feel a bit... Other guests from the first half of this season, of course, include Mr. Master, a thoroughly interesting fella who is making um, very unique avant-garde hip-hop music fusing lots of strange and interesting and fascinating and um, all-over-the-shop influences into his music. Um, We did a two-parter with him, definitely worth checking both of those episodes out. I also took myself to a rage room and smashed the absolute bejesus out of some crockery um, (laughs) in the pursuit of a cathartic release, which I kind of got... Kind of didn't. Again, if you haven't heard the episode, go check it out to get the full story on that. 
I also took a deep dive into what was allegedly the weirdest websites of 2020, and in doing so ended up buying myself a book which helps you teach your cat about gun safety, the dangers of Satanism, and um, how to practice good abstinence. <laughs> you know, making sure that your cat isn't sexting other cats and all that good stuff. And at the end, the tail end of the first half of the season, I had uh, a wonderful interview with Alexis Hyde, the former director of the Museum of Broken Relationships in Los Angeles, where we got to talk about her experience putting that together, the the museum as a whole. Yeah, and, you know, lots of fanboying from, from my behalf, because I genuinely do love that museum. And, yeah, just a really great insight into that, and a really great chat with Alexis on the Museum of Broken Relationships. Speaking of broken relationships, we are kicking off the second half of season four by looking at one of the most iconic relationships of all time, and that is between John, Paul, George, and nobody's favourite, I don't care what you say, you're either lying or just saying it to be contrary, nobody's favourite, Ringo. I am of course talking about the Fab Four, the Liverpool lads themselves, the Beatles. Now, as the history of the existence that we know has dictated for many decades, the Fab Four did in fact break up in the 60s. Which, you know, for some people, was a great thing. I mean, those people are few and far between, and for some weird reason preferred the work of Wings. Yeah, I, I don't know how many of those people exist, but they are out there. Anyway, we know from history, the history of this, this realm, this existence that we know, that the Beatles did break up. However, there is a person out there on the interwebs, and presumably in real life as well, by the name of James Richards, who is making the very bold claim that the Beatles never broke up. He has a story, he's got a website, and he's got this very interesting conspiracy theory, we shall say, that is filed under F for fun, instead of under F for fucking insane, which is where most conspiracy theories go these days. This is a hark back to the old days, when conspiracy theories were absolutely batshit insane, but we could all look at them with some sort of interest and amusement. It's one of those conspiracy theories, so you can rest easy. Unless, of course, you do actually take this to heart and it does eventually rewire your understanding of the world and the fabric of reality. And if that does happen, then, you know, apologies in advance. So I actually really don't know much about this particular claim or this conspiracy theory other than that main sort of headline point that this guy claims the Beatles never broke up. He also claims and is basing this conspiracy theory on the... the, the, the I don't want to say fact because it's not a fact. <laughs> on the claim that he has discovered a missing album of material from the Beatles which is called Everyday Chemistry. Now, his story is available in full on his website. I am going to be reading through it verbatim for the first time, so I understand and, and learn about this with you in real time, at the same time that you're listening to this. Um, yeah, I haven't read ahead, so I really don't know what it entails, other than I think it involves dogs and interdimensional travel. So... <laughs> Yeah, there's that, which is absolutely bonkers, but um, I am 100% here for it, and hopefully you are too. What's really quite interesting, right off the bat from just looking at this 
at a surface level without having actually read the details of the story yet is that this guy, whose name I've already forgotten, James Richards, has also made the alleged Missing Beatles album Everyday Chemistry available on his website that he's made. And you can download the entire thing, which I have done, but I haven't listened to it yet. And because it isn't, you know, under copyright, I can actually insert it into into this episode. So you'll be able to hear chunks of it in this episode, be able to see if it does in fact actually sound like the Beatles, if there is like more than just a passing resemblance, if it is eerily uncanny, if it is in fact the Beatles. You know, we'll be able to kind of take a little listen to that together. But as I say, the full album is available on the website, which you can find the link for in the show notes of this episode. But yeah, I'm going into this relatively blind with the the idea of of reading through this this very bold claim at the same time as as you guys. So uh, without further ado, let's dive into it. Let's take a look at James Richards' very bold claim that the Beatles never broke up. The following is an actual account of my experiences as of recently. Because of the nature of what has happened, I must remain anonymous until I feel it is safe to reveal my real name. But for now, you can refer to me as James Richards. On September the 9th, 2009, I experienced something that I am still having trouble believing happened to me. I came into the possession of a cassette tape containing a Beatles album that was never released. In fact... Not only was it never released, but it was recorded many years after they broke up, and no, I'm not talking about Klaatu. Now this is where the story becomes slightly more unbelievable, and it is almost embarrassing to attempt to explain the incident to you for fear of viewing me as completely absurd. I must assure you I am not insane or on drugs, and hopefully the audio from this tape will be enough proof that there is more than we think out there. I live in Livermore, California, but on September 9th I was driving home from Turlock after visiting a friend for a few days. I had my dog with me and I didn't have any plans for the day, so I decided to take a drive through a place called Del Puerto Canyon, just west of Turlock. There is a scenic road that is a fun drive and actually goes through to Livermore. I hadn't taken a cruise through it for a while, so I thought I would take this way home. It was about 2pm. A ways into the canyon, my dog started acting like she needed to use the restroom, so I pulled over to the first available parking area to the side of the road and let her out while I stretched. At first, I didn't notice, but then I heard the barking from 30 yards away. My dog was chasing a rabbit. Now, my dog is a pretty good dog, but if she is chasing something, then there is no stopping her, so the only thing I could do was become part of the chase. They already had about a 40-yard head start, so I really had to book it. The uneven ground and soft dirt patches made it difficult to run, and it wasn't very far into the chase that I had stepped into a rabbit hole, fell, and knocked myself unconscious. When I woke up, I was in a room with some furniture and electronics in it. I was taken care of with a bandage on my head, but I still felt uneasy about the situation, because where I fell and hit my head was in a very rural and populated area with no houses and outside the window of the room I was in, I could hear traffic. I wasn't near the window in the room, it was actually on the other side next to the unusual looking electronic machine that I didn't recognise from anywhere 
I've seen before. The only reason this stood out was because it seemed out of place in a person's home, which most of the rooms resembled. I decided to get up and look out the window, but the door opened and in ran my dog, who was pretty excited to see me. When I looked up, there was a man standing at the door. He was about six feet tall, had medium-long black hair, and was dressed casually, nice, but gave me a greasy vibe, if you know what I mean. He introduced himself as Jonas, and asked me if I was okay, which I said yes. He said he found me unconscious in a field with my dog barking at me, so I thanked him for helping me and my dog out, and then I was surprised my dog even came back to me. I then asked him the question that would make me start wondering if in fact I had gone crazy. I asked him, Where am I? About 20 feet away from where I found you, he replied. I told him that he couldn't possibly be right because there were no houses within at least 20 miles from where I last remember being. He then told me that what he was going to say next will be very shocking and unbelievable, and that if he didn't actually experience it himself, then he wouldn't believe it. He took a look at the machine near the window and looked back at me and said he transported me into parallel Earth. Yep, there you go. He said <laughs> he said he travelled to our Earth dimension and found me knocked out in the blazing heat with nobody around to help me out. Normally, he said, he doesn't take outsiders through a portal, but in my case, he thought I needed urgent help. So, you know, it's it's nice, a, a good interdimensional travelling Samaritan right there. I immediately started asking questions about travelling to parallel worlds, since all I knew about the topic was YouTube videos of Michio Kaku. He told me to slow down and that he would explain himself. Apparently, in his world, a parallel travel machine can be purchased quite easily. While not cheap, it's pretty popular, even though the machine can be dangerous enough to cause death. Wow, uh, okay, so just to kind of catch us up to speed and to clarify, uh, James here has been chasing his dog out in the middle of nowhere, trips, falls, bangs his head, next thing he knows, he's been taken in by a good Samaritan from a parallel universe in which the technology to travel between dimensions is not cheap, and it can cause death, but you can purchase it quite easily. And uh, he's obviously got himself one and has been doing a bit of dimension hopping and, and found found this fella. Okay. I think I think so far we're up to speed. Alright, let's let's carry on with um with James's story. In the nineteen fifties of his dimension, the government was faced with the decision to continue to fund a space program, I'm guessing NASA, or a parallel dimension program called ARPD. I can't remember what he said it stood for but I'm pretty sure the PD is Parallel Dimensions. And I remember the acronym because I noticed it on a lot of the electronics in the room that I was in. He then explained that the real danger of using one of the machines was exploring new dimensions. Since there are an infinite amount of Earths in other dimensions, only a small amount have been explored. The problem with exploring unknown dimensions is the chance you will die somehow once you walk through the portal doorway. He told me that people die from falling, if the ground isn't close enough to where the portal opens, die from drowning, for there are worlds covered in water and it's hard to reopen a portal underwater, die from fire, atmospheric issues, etc, etc. He said, in order for people to avoid this, they would have to know that there would be similar ground in the dimension they were travelling to, 
So his government began to research worlds that were safe to transport to, even creating public spots where people could choose a menu of worlds to go to that were all safe. So essentially, according to James's claim here, someone somewhere in a different dimension has basically made an interdimensional bus route. Which, you know, is, is kind of cool in theory, but it does make you wonder how much exactly it would cost you to get like a weekly pass, a mega rider, as it were, for a bit of an old school reference. Anyway, many of these worlds were lush vegetation worlds that were never ruined by man, only to be invaded by the large overcrowded population of the Traveller's world. He said something about new industries that opened up because of this, one of them being something like dimensional life brokers. These people offered the chance to live as someone new in an already established similar world that doesn't know of dimensional travel, nor that there are people crossing to the dimensional border to. So, hang on. So, just people that are in the know of the interdimensional travel that can get their interdimensional mega rider could go to a completely different world and live a new life, uh, according to to this theory. Uh, interesting. Jonas, who of course is the guy that's taken... Uh, Richard, or is it James? This is the trouble, I can't, because he's got two surnames, I forget which one goes first, it's James, his name is James Richards, um, but that is that is a little bit confusing. James claims, there you go, that's a good way to remember it. <laughs> anyway, Jonas, that's, that's the fellow that's taken James in. Jonas said he was an explorer for one of the dimensional travel agencies and was looking in new uncharted dimensions and came up my earth. I think there's a slight grammatical typo there, but I think we get the point. We talked about a lot of things. It was interesting to see what similarities and differences we had between worlds, foods, cultures, TV, technology. We covered a lot. Did you cover the fact that this is really hard to sort of wrap your brain around? I I like the fact that James is just having a very casual, almost first date conversation with Jonas, the interdimensional travel agent. Um, and isn't freaking out, isn't just absolutely denying this at all, demanding that he be told the truth. He's just totally taking this in his stride. Anyway, James and Jonas, they're having just absolute bants about <laughs> interdimensional comparisons. You know, uh, food, culture, TV, who won the 2020 election. Um <laughs> They covered a lot, according to James. Um, we also started talking about music, which was an interesting topic because there were many of the same bands between our worlds that existed, including the Beatles. When their name got brought up, Jonas mentioned that his brother just got back from seeing them perform at a concert recently, which I gave a weird look to and said, You mean they're still together? And he said, Yeah. And I then told him about how they broke up in our world and that John and George had passed away. Apparently... In his world, they are all alive, healthy, and on tour still. Jonas then had me follow him into another room that had a bookshelf-looking thing with some cassette tapes. Yes, the music ones. Apparently CDs never caught on in this world. Okay, so, right, I mean, I'm really not on board with this, but I am calling absolute bullshit. So you can develop the technology to travel between dimensions, but you never make it past cassette tapes. I mean, you never make it to CDs. Presumably, you're not even on MP3s, let alone flack. Uh, <sighs> wow. 
Anyway, 8-track Jonas has taken him into the other room. They're looking at the bookshelf-looking thing. Also probably just known as a bookshelf. It's got some cassette tapes on it. Yes, the music ones, because as I just said there, apparently CDs never caught on in Jonas's dimension. There was also a tape player slash radio slash record player, though it didn't quite look like the type of radios we have. The speakers looked more like crinkled cardboard, but sounded pretty good. I didn't get <laughs> I didn't get too good of a look at the speakers, but they certainly weren't round. They almost looked like a tall accordion. Okay, good good to know. Good to know that in some aspects, technology in other dimensions is far beyond anything we can comprehend, but at the same time, also really, really backwards. The only Beatles album that he had that was store-bought and had real cover art was Sgt. Pepper's, which the cover looks slightly different than the one we have, but the songs were all the same. Which, as a side note and just another side tangent from me, is a shame, because if you were to find uh, an interdimensional version of Sgt. Pepper's, a version of Sgt. Pepper's from another universe, I would hope that it was missing when I'm 64, because I don't care what anybody says, That song stops that album from pretty much being perfect. I hate that song. I always will. It's terrible. So you would hope that in Jonas's world, they would have at least had the foresight to be like, no, Paul, you're not including that old lady song on there. Get it off. It's not making the final mix. But here we are. Anyway, I digress. The other six Beatles tapes he had were all like somebody had recorded them onto a blank cassette for him and wrote the song titles on a card slipped in the case. A couple of the album titles written on the tapes I recognised, but there were about four that I had never heard of before. He played a few songs from one of them, which was totally surreal to hear Beatles music that was never made, at least in our world. We talked about it a little bit, and he said that a girl made the tapes for him while he was in an upper school, what they call high school. She was such a huge fan of them and wanted him to listen to them. He popped out the first tape and was putting in the second one when I told him he should record me a copy of one so I could take it back with me thinking it wouldn't be a big deal. Well, the look that Jonas gave me when I said this is part of the reason I am remaining anonymous. Not only did it sort of scare me, but it had a very serious, almost creepy look to it, followed by the phrase, not word for word, I can't remember what he said exactly, no, you are not to take anything with you back to your world. No pictures, no souvenirs, no tapes, nothing. I asked him why and he wouldn't really say except that for my safety, I wasn't to take anything back. Of course, I am not the type of person to go through all of this parallel world stuff and not grab something to prove the outrageous story of my experience, so for the moment, I told him I wouldn't take anything and changed the subject. About an hour later, after some more talking, I heard a doorbell ring, and he left the room to check the door. Convenient. I knew that I may not have another chance to take something, so I grabbed one of the tapes and put it in my pocket, and then shuffled the tapes around to make it look less obvious that something was missing. When he came back inside, I said I was kind of hungry to just get out of the room. I mixed the tapes up a little so it was hard to tell which one was missing, but I didn't want to be there when he found out. So he then took me in the other room and fed me. For the most part, the food tasted like ours, but was different. Different products, different names, different colours. The purple ketchup... Oh, fuck off, mate. Right, now you're taking the piss. The purple ketchup was the strangest. We talked a little bit... (laughs) I'm not even going to gloss over that. I can't gloss over that. The purple ketchup... I mean, look... 
if if anybody was was on board with this, if if anybody just reading the story, we haven't even got into the music yet. I mean, I don't think the music is going to sway me. It, it could sound identical to John Lennon and Paul McCartney harmonising. I don't think it's going to sway me. But if anybody's reading this and is thinking, oh yeah, this is possible. This is you know, I I'm I'm on board with this. Then I think they would have probably kind of had their cost diverted at purple ketchup, because you know. It's purple ketchup. Anyway, you know, the purple ketchup was the strangest, of course, obviously. Um, James and Jonas had talked a little bit more, and then I, as in James, not me. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not me. Then I expressed the notion that I should be going because it was getting late. The time of day was identical to ours, as is all worlds. So time of day, always identical. Ketchup, not at all. We went back into the room where the machines were in. I grabbed my dog and shook Jonas's hand for taking care of me after I was knocked out. I thanked him again and stepped through the portal, which <laughs> which felt like getting wet, but staying dry the entire time. Really weird. When I put my dog on the ground, she even shook herself like she thought she was wet. I, I, I mean, yeah, I guess, I suppose... Actually, I don't know, I don't, I don't know at this point. Back in our world, I could see my car on the road still, and there were straight line burn marks on the ground from where the portal had shown up. It was dark outside, and the only reason I noticed the burn was because it was still smoking from the heat. So, just scorch marks, as in, like, the DeLorean, I guess. Sure. I walked back to my car, I didn't run this time, learnt his lesson, hasn't I? And then I drove home. The worst part was I couldn't even listen to the tape on the way home because I didn't have a tape player in my car. I actually wasn't even able to listen to it at home either for the same reason, and I had to go to Walmart, other places are available where you can buy tape machines, to buy a tape player just to listen to it. Unfortunately, I don't have any information about the tape other than what is written on the card sleeve. The track names were written, as well as the album title, Everyday Chemistry. Everything else about it is as mysterious to you as it is to me. It also wasn't like I could have asked the guy anything about it, especially after taking it from him. Which is fair enough, if you've just, like, chored a cassette tape, you can hardly be like, oh, that album, Everyday Chemistry, tell me about it. It's gonna raise suspicions, isn't it? You don't want to be doing that if you've been pilfering things from another dimension. You don't want Jonas being suspicious of you. Anyway... I'll post some more about my experience in the coming days, but I have to go to work right now, and this post is already long enough. If anyone has any questions they want to ask me about this incident, then I've set up an email address that you can contact me at, and there is his email address. I'll try and answer everyone's questions as best as possible. Lastly, if there is anyone out there who has experienced anything like this, then please contact me. Some of the things this guy has said to me almost make me wonder if this isn't the first time Dimensional Travellers have been here. So there you go, that is James Richards' account of how he came into possession of Everyday Chemistry, an album recorded by an interdimensional version of the Beatles, which never broke up and carried on making music. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that it's a lot of bollocks. It's a really cute story. It seems very sort of um, entrenched in, like, 1950s science fiction. But, um, yeah, absolute bollocks nonetheless. However, having said that, I am actually quite curious to hear what everyday chemistry sounds like. 
this this interdimensional album that was stolen and brought back to our plane of existence. I'm really curious as to what exactly it entails. If it's just like a really elaborate tribute band, um, or what. I don't actually know what I'm expecting here, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it a listen. As I said, the album is available in full, if you want to hear it for yourself. Um, But in the meantime, I'm going to go off and listen to it, and... I am going to put a medley of sorts of of tracks from it in here for you to kind of get a little bit of a, a sample of. And then, after that, I am going to dig a little bit deeper into the internet to see if um, the identity of uh, James Richards was ever released. If, he, if whoever put this out there in, in the world came forward. And, uh, yeah, it is kind of get an idea of what other people have taken from this. I um, <laughs> I imagine there's probably like a subreddit of people that are dissecting it and looking for clues to prove this conspiracy theory true. I imagine that's probably a thing, and I kind of hope that it is as well. Um, I would actually like your opinions on it. Obviously, you know, if you're of a, a sound mind then you yourself are probably going to realise that this is a whole bunch of nonsense. But um, what's your take on it? If you've listened to the album, if you're familiar with this, if you know about this already, what is your take on it? If if you go and listen to the album based on this episode, what did you think? Also, as a side note, despite this being an obvious cock and bull story, um, what is your take on interdimensional travel? What is your take on the multiverse theory, the idea that there are alternate dimensions out there, different versions of the world in which we know. Is it true? Is it possible? And if it is, do you believe that their ketchup is purple in some dimensions? I don't know. Let me know your thoughts on all of that. Best way to get in touch with me is on Twitter or Instagram at I am Mal Foster. Thoughts on this weird... um. <laughs> supposed otherworldly Beatles album and your thoughts on just the multiverse theory and interdimensional travel. If you've found other stories of a similar note, do let me know because obviously, as I've said, it is a lot of bollocks, but it's fun bollocks and sometimes that's what we need. Fun bollocks. Anyway, I'm off to listen to this and uh, I'll be back in a little bit to talk about it in a little bit more depth, if we possibly can. And then George joined, and then Ringo joined. We were just a band who made it very, very big.
Alright, so whether you have paused this podcast episode, gone and downloaded the album and listened to it as a whole, or you've just listened to that little medley that I've spun you there, it is very apparently obvious really early on that this is just a remix, cut and paste, mashup album of post-breakup solo projects and side projects in terms of Wings. Some of the samples used are kind of overt and obvious, Wings being one, I mean... Band on the Run is sampled in the very first track, uh, Four Guys. And then there are also other things that kind of jump out at you as well, like I'm Losing You by Lennon. Um, But I will say this, even though some of the samples are, as I say, rather obvious, there's some pretty deep cuts here as well, it seems. And the way in which they're sort of stitched together and interwoven is actually pretty damn clever. And although I don't love the whole thing from top to bottom, and the first couple of tracks kind of are a little bit difficult to kind of get into, there are pockets of this thing which are actually really, really good. Tracks like Anybody Else, Sick to Death, Jen, um, the the closing track as well, Mr. Gator's Swamp Jamboree, which is, is a real genuine Beatles song title. In fact, all of the song titles on here are tracks that you could imagine being on a separate unknown Beatles album and yeah it it actually kind of works it is pretty clever and it works the idea of taking solo projects and kind of stitching them together in a collaborative fashion to create something that may have been made had they stuck together is is actually pretty pretty interesting and as I say there are pockets of it which are really really good even if it is a little bit disappointing to know that it didn't actually come from a different dimension, um, yeah, it's it's still definitely worth a listen. I mean, you can't really say that it, it can be debunked, because you can't really debunk this story considering just how impossible it is to disprove. But it's clearly, <laughs> it's clearly not real. But it is kind of, as I said at the front, like a sort of fun... It's not even a conspiracy theory now. Now I'm at this portion of the the sort of investigation, for lack of a better word. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's more of a fun little project um, with a cute sort of 50s-inspired sci-fi backstory. As far as I can see, and I've done a little bit of digging, nobody has come forward and claimed responsibility for it. Um, James Richards, obviously a pseudonym as mentioned in this story, is a mix of the real names of Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, as in James Paul McCartney and Richard Starkey, James Richards. No one has come forward and claimed to be James Richards. It's just, it's out there as a mystery. And I honestly feel like that's how it should stay. I did, however, in in doing a bit of digging, find a couple of things, one of which is a a sort of article written on Medium.com by a man named John Carrison. The article was written in 2014. I say article, it's a blog post. Although, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it. It's a piece based on the the album Everyday Chemistry and the Story of uh, James Richards. It's written by, as I say, John Carrison in 2014, and subsequently... Everyday Chemistry was released by James Richards in 2009. So this thing has been doing the rounds for almost 13 years. And I've only just found it now. Anyway, John Carrison uh, was beginning to dig into it and has found that uh, James Richards, whoever he is, was actually interviewed by the Telegraph newspaper 
and uh, when it was suggested to him that it was just a remix album, he had this to say. I had a feeling some of the songs had a familiar sound to them as well. The only conclusion I can come up with is even though in the alternative universe the Beatles hadn't broken up, that didn't mean their future music ideas disappeared. So whoever James Richards is and however the Telegraph managed to track him down um, to to talk, although I say track him down, his email is actually on the website and I did, I did actually send an email whilst listening to the album uh, I have no idea if he's going to reply. It would be interesting if he did, um, and he did want to appear as a guest on the on the podcast. I very much doubt that is going to happen, but you never know. Stranger things have happened, I guess. Anyway, when tracked down by the Telegraph and interviewed, I love the fact that um, James Richards has actually kind of continued the ruse and hasn't buckled, hasn't just kind of said all right you got me hands up i've been caught out here he's actually kept it going and on the off chance that (laughs) the very off chance that he does actually reply and want to be on the show i could only hope that he would keep that going throughout the interview that he would completely stick to the story and not budge one iota but uh yeah again i don't i don't think that's going to happen if you want to fall further down this rabbit hole, I highly recommend you check out the John Carrison article slash blog on medium.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. In it, it's pretty detailed, especially when it comes to John Carrison's attempts to find out who the hell James Richards is. Lots of different leads and separate rabbit holes, including chasing after a author by the name of Stephen Maxter, who 10 years prior to the album's release and, and James's story had actually written a short story in a periodical called The Twelfth Album, in which uh, a, a lost Beatles album is found in an alternative reality. As that's a potential lead that he followed. He also got in touch with a place called the Music Time Academy, based in Livermore, California, the city in which James Richards claims to be from. And he also gets in touch with Shane Richmond, the Telegraph writer who covered the story. And uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty interesting read. He also goes into the history of Clatu, which, if you remember, I mentioned whilst reading the story on James Richards' website. I didn't know about this, and this is a separate interesting rabbit hole to go down as well. I'm not going to do that here. I can leave that up to you if you want to chase that particular story thread. But Clatu uh, was basically a group of studio musicians from Canada who were recording and releasing music in the 70s, and it sounded a lot like the Beatles, and it kind of created this uh, ripple of intrigue, which led to a conspiracy theory that Klaatu were actually the Beatles releasing music under a different name. Uh, Yeah, I've only kind of just peeked into that. I'd never heard of that before finding this whole thing, but that is definitely something I'm going to be diving a little bit deeper into. Apparently this this idea really, really caught fire. So yeah, definitely worth checking out that article if you are interested in pursuing this any further. But um, yeah, I honestly don't think we'll ever find out who James Richards is. And as I say, I kind of hope we don't. It's one of those things I really do hope remains a mystery. One thing that isn't a mystery, however, is next week's episode. Next week, we're going to be talking to our first guest of the second half of season four, and that is Dr. Kevin Payne. 
an esteemed sociologist and psychologist, Dr. Kevin Payne has for many, many years suffered from various symptoms of MS. He's been through some real trauma and tragedy, and he's also somebody that's logged over 200 skydives. Yeah, his story has lots of components to it, and it's, in a word, amazing. Genuinely inspirational. I had the pleasure of chatting to him much earlier this year, back in January when I was in England. Uh, I had to do it at my mum's kitchen table through uh, my internal mic and camera. So my audio on that end is shit. His is fine, but it's the story that you need to be there for. It's honestly, without overselling it, it's amazing. It really is an episode you do not want to miss, and the best way to make sure you do not miss it is to, if you haven't done so already, simply subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. I think we're pretty much available wherever. Um, Obviously, wherever you're listening to this, if you haven't done so, do subscribe. It makes things good for us and for you. Sure, it's a mutual thing of goodness. You never miss out on an episode, and it shows me that you actually like what I'm putting out there into the ether, as it were. It is also something that helps us in terms of of ratings and and algorithms and and rankings and all of that stuff, I think. Pretty sure it does good stuff for that. Probably. Something that definitely does help the show is reviews. Still haven't got myself a haiku review, and I'm not going to let go of that until I do. Um, I mean, in the meantime, whilst you're writing your haiku review, you could, of course, always just leave, like, a really simple but nice. Definitely make sure it's nice. Uh, (laughs) Like, one-line review saying you enjoyed the show or whatever, you know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But that is definitely something that can help. You can also get in touch with me regarding this episode, that Beatles album, interdimensional travel, your own inspirational story, whatever it is you want to get in touch with me, future ideas for episodes of the show, whatever it is, you can get in touch with me on the social medias. We do have a Facebook page, just search for Dimed Out. We do have a YouTube channel, just search for Dimed Out Podcast, because of why you'll just probably get the Titus Andronicus track, which is amazing. But it's not this. So, yeah, Dimed Out Podcast. That probably goes for the Facebook thing as well. Yeah, just to make sure. Or you can go straight to Twitter or Instagram and find me at IamMalFoster. Or even simpler than all of that, you can just look for the link in the show notes and it takes you to one page with links to everything. Yeah, that's, that's way easier. Why didn't I just tell you to do that in the first place? And on that note, that about does it for this week's episode. Of course, it goes without saying, if you do plan on doing some interdimensional travelling, do make sure the portal is near the ground. Because you don't want to die from falling, from fire, or drowning. Because remember, it is really difficult to reopen a portal underwater. As always, thank you for listening. Look after yourselves, look after each other, and until next time... Keep it dined out.